part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Uh, kind of sad news, Carl. Colin is still an inch short to be able to ride on the big rides at Kings Island, even yeah. when he's wearing his thick shoes. Yeah, but you still know... Still another inch to go. <laughs> it's only March, barely. And he has several months to go before he's actually even going to yeah, go. Yeah, but an inch? An inch is a lot to grow in a month. Uh, or three months. I don't know. Can you, can you grow an inch? In, I guess you can grow an you inch You can in when you're months. an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, when you're a boy, you can. It's not unheard of. It's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. But as of right now, as of right now, Carl, he's not tall enough to ride the rides that he really wants to ride. So uh, I guess it's appropriate to pray that, <laughs> that God would sprout him over the next few months. I mean, it's not that's not wrong, right? I mean, God's God's probably going to grow him more anyway. Okay. So, so it, I don't think it's inappropriate to ask God to maybe or speed up the ask, timetable a little bit. Ask God to help him find a particularly thick pair of socks between exactly. now and June, or multiple pairs of thick socks. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, if if it's in God's plan that Colin eventually make it to fifty four inches tall, then why not do it within the next couple of months? I don't think that's wrong. Nope, not wrong. Okay. So uh, pray for that and we'll let you, we'll keep you informed as to, as to how God answers that prayer. What are you looking for? Well, I've been reading in a book lately that I actually started reading six years ago and finally picked it back up again. And it is. She's a better reader than that. She's done other things besides just read this book. No, I put it It doesn't down. take her six years to read a book. I put it down because I thought I had the gist of it. I was like, this is interesting and all, but. Oh, I do that too. Yeah. I don't necessarily read a whole book once I figure that I've got it. I've got it. I. But it's, you, but you always criticize me for that. You criticize me for. I didn't intentionally. Through. I didn't intentionally stop reading it. I just got busy, and I it wasn't interesting enough at the time. But I was still aware of its existence, and I knew the subject matter well enough that if I needed to come back to it, I knew that I could because it's in my Kindle. And so it's the book that made your world by what? Oh, by... Uh, Vishal Mangawandi or Mal- something? M- Mangalata. Manga- yeah, Mangalati. I read that. I actually read that whole book. The whole book? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're farther along than me. Mm-hmm. But I, I decided this week... Well, this last two weeks, I'd pick it up again. Shout out to Jeff Fall, because he's the one who first quoted that book in a sermon. And yeah. uh, it's a great book. Yeah. Well, I feel like, okay, so like really, really big picture summary synopsis. It's just about how like the Eastern um, cultures, like third world countries particularly, mm-hmm. how they had different assumptions than the Western um, people, the Western cultures that ended up being very profitable, successful, and uh, becoming very... And that primary difference in philosophy was... Well, it primarily came from the Bible. Right. And he spends the book talking about how it's not just a difference in resources. It's not just a difference in um, in technology. Like he was saying right. that there were Islamic cu- cultures where they had, you know, 
they had technology. Like in China, they were making clocks, you know, sure. thousands of years Fireworks. ago. Fireworks. Right. And spaghetti. And spaghetti. But it never developed into the same, like, prosperity that we have in the West. Right. And he's basically making the case he was like, that why is that? It was more than just the resources; it was also a philosophy that was. It, it was held. mostly the philosophy. Right. It was the it was the biblical influence in the West that led to our rapid yep. uh, domination. Domination. World well, I domination. Was looking for civilization isn't the right word, but it was. Yeah, we became we became successful it because led to of growth. our growth. Yeah, yeah, because of the assumption that God created a logical world and this is the part that was really intriguing to me now all of a sudden that didn't necessarily resonate as much five years ago although i agreed with the premise then it seems like it's even more becoming apparent that this is totally true the difference between the eastern mystics like the new age gurus the hindu buddhist monks like the difference all all eastern philosophy yes the difference between all of that and the united states the west and europe was an emphasis on logic and rationality and being able to know things for sure. And they they tinkered with that. Like in the Greek and the Roman empires, they they kind of, you know, toyed with the idea that maybe logic was a thing that that you could know it was knowable. And then they quit. Like they gave up on it. Because they got busy being hedonists. Well, right. Those it's, Romans just got busy having a good time 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Look, and Emery's that was here, and she wants to tell to me do. something that Colin is doing. What, oh, Emery? she's going to tattle? You stole the cord of this, and I only want to charge Silas's You stole the cord, and you want to charge Silas's tablet. Hey, Emmy, come over here and say into the microphone, my nose is stuffed up. Say it. My nose is stuffed up. Yeah. That was actually pretty good. Well, that was better than last time. She doesn't draw out her vowel sounds very much because she's had to deal with stuffed up noses so much in her life that she that just she, talks like she this. She knows not to stay on the end sound. She just talks her. like this. That you could kind of, she kind of skips over it and it can't tell so much. She doesn't hold out the end sound so that it sounds like a D. Yeah. She just cruises yeah. right through it. Every once in a while, though, she will. And it's like, yeah, you're poor. My nose is stuffed up. Her nasal cavities. By actually asked the dentist about that, too. Okay, I'm going to have to pause. All right, you pause. Okay, here we go. We're back. Carl doesn't even know we're gone. Yeah, but I did say I was pausing. No time passed for him. So in case you're wondering what that sound is, my voice right now, it's because we're back. (laughs) (laughs) So the situation is that now Silas is upstairs on his way to napping, sad. hopefully. He's not actually very sad, which he's not sad. is concerning. I'm afraid he's not going to fall asleep because he's not sad enough. <laughs> and then Emery's sitting right next to you, supposedly going to do She's that doing paper, some schoolwork, yeah. But mostly just kicking the table. And drinking her her cup of water with her ice, ice in it. Ice water. She worked very hard mm-hmm. to get that. So anyway... What I what I was trying to say was this book that I have been reading is juxtaposing, comparing and contrasting the Eastern philosophy with Western philosophy. Right, the and book that made your world. A big a big component to the like a big difference is that in the West, we tend to believe that truth is knowable, and that comes from the Bible. That God gave us our minds, and He also came as the Logos, which is how John describes Jesus, mm-hmm. um, because logic and reason are attributes of God. And if they're attributes of God, and if we were created in his image, then we should be able to use things like science, for example, the scientific method, mm-hmm. to learn things about ourselves and about nature. We should be able to reason things. Yeah, think and, about things. And they should be and in the East, truthful. And in the East, they don't want to reason at all. 
No. And I don't, I don't mean like that they just reason differently. I mean, they're actually trying to overcome their own minds and stop thinking altogether. Right. That's what they try to do. They're trying to become uh, nothing. Right. Nothingness. They're, they're trying they to wanna, get to nothingness. Yes. No more feelings, no more thoughts. They don't even want to think about good and evil. Like they don't want to categorize, they don't want to categorize things as right or wrong or good or bad. Like, which of course, in order to decide that you want to reach nothingness, you have already made a judgment call. It's but, similar to yeah. something that I heard way back when I was in elementary school, and I didn't even realize what it was when I heard it, but it was Eastern philosophy. And mm -hmm. that is that we are uh, like drops of rain falling into the ocean. That's that's what we want to become. We right. want we want to cease to be individual drops and just become one with the ocean. with the ocean. Yep, that's right. And I would do a really terrible job continuing to try to explain this from my own perspective because I am so immersed in logic and reasoning and so immersed in like critical thought that I can't even describe it for a Western audience like I'm trying to do without doing it wrong. Like I'm I accidentally try to make you sense. Accidentally all the time, make sense out of it all the time. And so I'm just going to read a couple of things from this book that literally made me laugh out loud. Because you know this is a podcast that has to do with comedy mm -hmm. sometimes. It always gets back to comedy, Carl. It all comes back to what's funny. And and so, so, if you, <laughs> so if you found yourself going, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be funny. It is. So we'll the, get there. The author goes to a Hindu uh, publisher, like a, a library or like a book bookstore of some kind mm -hmm. in India. And he was trying to find the um, he was trying to find the the Hindu sacred texts there, um, and he said that like the Vedas are the most sacred of all texts, and you can find commentary on the Vedas, but you could he couldn't find the actual Vedas themselves. Mm -hmm. And he said um, in India, yeah, couldn't in India, yep. he said he never asked like the professors in their Indian college would always talk a lot about their deep respect for the Hindu scriptures. Yet, my professors never asked us to read the Vedas, the primary holiest Hindu texts. This is a direct quote. So I decided to study them myself. I went to the bookstall of the Gita Press in Koraptur, the Bible Society's Hindu counterpart. So this is like the publisher. This is who publishes the Vedas. Yeah, they are the, the holy publishers of the publishers, right, yep. in India. To my astonishment, I was told that I could buy Vedic commentaries, but the Vedas themselves had never been published in Hindi my mother tongue, and India's national language. Why, I asked the bookseller, don't priests want us to know God's revelation? As soon as you ask why, you're, you're, that's, already, you're already off track. Right, you're yeah. asking logical questions. The bookseller gently explained that the Vedas could never be translated because they were too sacred and difficult to understand. And besides, understanding was not necessary. They were written never to teach truth, they were mantras to be memorized and correctly chanted with careful pronunciation and enunciation and intonation. Their magic was in the sound, not in the meaning. To learn the Vedas, I must find a competent guru and spend years at his feet practicing the art of Vedic chanting while performing prescribed sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That's how you reach enlightenment. Right. Okay. But it, but as as soon as you start to as soon as you start to waver from those mindless mantras mantras and and asking and saying okay what is this accomplishing what is my goal all, all of those things are are taking you off track right because if you have a goal if you're if you're seeking something yep, yep. if you're 
trying, if, if you're trying striving, something, right. if you are striving, if you are thinking about anything, you're not doing it correctly. Right. You still Just have asking ways to go. why is wrong. Right. So that's one thing that kind of made me smile at first, but I wasn't actually laughing out loud yet. Right. I was just like puzzling over all of this. Well, and, and the reason that it's funny is because you're standing outside of it, looking at it. If right. you were in the middle of it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be funny. It wouldn't be. Right. And, I'm, and I'm, I understand your struggle now to try to talk about right. this without. <laughs> That's why I was smiling. I understand that it's, it's really difficult. But, but if you're in the middle of it, you're just basically in the middle of it and you don't ever wonder if you should be someplace else or if there is another philosophy because it doesn't matter it doesn't right. seeking seeking another superior philosophy is is not the point the point is the point is not to understand the point is just to right. is just to cease to be uh right uh exist i guess right. <laughs> it's to cease, well, this cease is, to exist this is what the author says this is a little later in the book the author says words are tools that we use to distinguish solids from liquids water from milk and hot milk from cold milk mm. if reality real were one as tripathy believed we could not know truth without killing language by repeating meaningless mantras or sounds such as um transcending verbal intellectual categories would not suffice Tripathi said that the enlightened sages even had to tra transcend good and evil, which doesn't even make any sense. No. Only then could they merge into the one divine consciousness. Words like morals, he believed, remove us from reality, which is oneness, into a duality or plurality, which is bad. They didn't right. want there to be categories, and, and including good and evil. And right. So it doesn't make any sense. There's no categories. There's no differentiation. There's no, there's no colors. There's no shades. There's just There's just is. Oneness. There's just existence. Yeah. Um, and so let's see where, where was the other one here? Oh, this is, this is where I finally, I'm trying to understand all this, right. For the first couple of chapters. Right. And that's your problem. Then I know there is no understanding. And I'm, I'm already had taken a wrong turn at that point, but then I read this. <laughs> okay. Cause the author was again, describing how technology was not foreign. Like they did invent some things and they even had books. And this is the part I did not know. They had tons and tons of books in the East, mm -hmm. like way more before the printing press was invented in Europe. Gutenberg invented the printing press in Europe, but he didn't invent so the printing could, press. So they could write the Bible. Right. So that they could print the Bible, mm -hmm. but they didn't, they didn't invent the printing press in history. Like the East had already found ways. They already had a way to, to mass produce documents. Type. Yep. Okay. Yep. They didn't invent it. They just discovered their own version of it. Right, but they didn't do anything with it. Well, they did. They made lots of books. Listen to this. This is funny. Print, printing and books didn't reform my continent, meaning India, because our religious philosophies um, undermined reason. By AD 823, Chinese monasteries had so many books, they invented rotating bookcases. You didn't know this, did you? I do. I remember because I read the book. Because you read this book. Yeah. By AD 823, they had rotating bookcases in right. China. By 836, at least one monastery in Sukhau in eastern China had even made a break to stop the rotation. So they're inventing things. Right. In the middle of the 12th century, when some European monasteries and cathedral schools were beginning to blossom into universities, a Buddhist monk named Ye Mingte traveled through the temples and the monasteries in eastern China and reported, quote, in six or seven out of ten temples, one can hear the sound of the wheels of the revolving cases turning day and night, end quote. 
mm-hmm. right? So they're they're really busy over there in China with all mm-hmm. these rotating bookcases. They're rotating books all over the place. Were the monks, this is the author again, were the monks turning the bookcases in order to find and read the books? No. That would have indicated these temples <laughs> were centers of tremendous research. No, they were not. But no, Professor Lynn White Jr., one of the world's greatest authorities on medieval religiosity and the rise of technology, explained that the sound of the rotating bookcases was, quote, not a result of scholarly activity, end quote. The monks were meditating on the sound of endlessly right. rotating cases filled with sacred books. Right. They weren't actually <laughs> reading the books. That was what I that was what I remember. That they produced all of these books and then they and didn't listen to them turning. And they didn't read them. Right. They didn't read them. Oh, listen to all that knowledge squeaking and and moving and uh, Well, but it's so <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's like going to the library and just listening to the door hinges, you know, just opening and closing right. the door. Right. This is what he. This is what the author says again. They were not interested in wisdom contained in the books. They qu- sought quote salvation by rotation of sacred writings. This is from their their writings. Salvation yeah. by rotation of sacred writings because they did not believe in words. Their goal was to reach silence through the sound without sense. Right. Mantra. Right, which which is again, I can't help it. I have to I have to think about it. <laughs> it. It makes me wonder why the books were written in the first place. I know, but but that's like logical. somebody somebody had to somebody deviated from this this just listen to the sound of nonsense <laughs> right. or, or nothingness. So because somebody wrote books, and evidently a lot of people wrote books. So many people were writing books that they actually invented. A way to to produce to, them to, to store them and make, move yeah, them. yeah. To store them and yeah. so so it's it's inconsistent right it's, it's not it's not a thorough consistent belief it's self refuting yep I know and it's so but it's so funny to me because then he was actually like he went into India and studied under a monk for a brief time and was given a mantra himself mm-hmm. and was told it was just like the name of some sub deity like then just a name of a god oh, in india you said so i thought it was like a sandwich yeah that was it was the ham and cheese black he forest needed to ham. say over and over black again. forest ham. i can't remember it but he asked his teacher eat ball on we he asked his teacher what does it mean and they said don't think about that don't think about what it means right just keep repeating it and, and pay attention to the way it feels on your mouth and you mm-hmm. know how it sounds in your ear and that's the point. Which, which even that is, even that is a deviation from from nothingness because if you're paying attention to how it feels and right. how it sounds, then you're thinking about something. Right. Yeah. It you're conscious of something. It's so it's self refuting. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's that it actually is. It's illogical. Like it. Right. It's a paradox. The right. whole the whole thing is a paradox. Right. It's it doesn't it it, it doesn't go anywhere it's right. like it's like the it's like that mobius strip you know you take a piece of paper you flip it and right. glue the ends together and right. like it doesn't go anywhere it just somewhere else in the goes back on itself somewhere else in the book he mentions that there's a temple with a somewhat famous sign on the door that just says please leave your shoes and your mind outside yeah it says that on the sign yeah which um, would require some conscious effort yeah so it's just it's weird and it's and it's blowing my mind a little bit. And and why were you thinking about that today? Because we were we we were trying to figure out 
what we wanted to talk about, Carl, and we had the epiphany. I had the epiphany uh, a couple of days ago when I was on the podcast with Gabe on uh, on Water Break, mm-hmm. and Darren Doan was on there, and he said that, uh, well, you have to listen to the whole podcast, but basically he said that we don't get to choose what's what's sticky. We don't get to choose what the culture is going to talk about, think about, well, remember. I would, I would... I probably am not disagreeing, but I might phrase it a little differently. Just, because of how you are. Well, just in light of what I've been reading lately. Because what I told you was that um, the author of the book keeps keeps explaining the difference between like the collectivism of the East and the individuality of the West, mm-hmm. where we tend to focus very much on you know independence and and personal thought. Like we we see ourselves as personal beings with identities that are unique and like and our identities are in ourselves ourselves and yes. yeah and we talked about that gary and i talked about that on thursday on oh, the, did you? the bible study yeah briefly how the 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 bible if you look particularly at the old testament um in in the patriar- patriarchal structure where the the head of the household the father had a mother and, and then the children were underneath that. And that unit, that famil- familial unit, was how they navigated in the culture. It wasn't, it wasn't a group of individuals. It was a family. And that family was the unit. That was the basic unit of, uh, for, for getting around in culture, doing business, uh, going to the temple, all, all, all of it was was a family and so your identity was very much connected to your to your group to your family your mother father brothers and sisters all of you went together but and we don't do that in our culture anymore because individualism is now being seen as a bad thing individualism is now being seen as a bad thing i think that in conservative circles in christian circles too we're kind of we're kind of trying to come back to the the emphasis on the community again and working together. You think we are? Yeah, I think, well, I think in the circles that we run in. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if you're talking about the, uh, if you're talking about the FLF people yeah. and our reformed but I'm Presbyterian this, friends, I'm, yes. I'm seeing but things a slightly different way. I don't think way. they represent the majority of culture, though. No, but I, but I do think that, I do think that w- our problem is not too much independence or individuality or I, I don't think that in the United States I would have about two weeks ago I would have said yeah totally we we are too selfish right selfish because we focus yeah, too much well, on well and ourselves. selfishness is what's causing the breakdown of the familial unit right our our idea that we don't need to we we don't we will not tolerate quote toxic people in our lives. We cut them out of our lives for our own good, for Correct. our own self-esteem, our mental health, our well-being. We get rid of people who are harming us emotionally. Right. And I agree with that and I agree that it's wrong. But what I'm saying is I don't necessarily think the solution to that is to try to get people to think of the collective for the collective's sake. Like I don't think that it, it I don't think that we should try to swing more toward what they are doing in Eastern philosophy where they're like, well, just forget about yourself and and try to become one with right, those but around the Eastern you. Eastern philosophy isn't about isn't about joining a collective. 
It's about it's, it's like about the ocean beca- becoming a drop in the ocean. Yeah, but you're becoming nothing. There's there's no identity. It, it, the goal there, so you're not right. trying to identi- identify with a group or with a family. You're right. identifying with nothing. You're losing your individuality, not for a collective identity, but for no identity at all. That's true, but I also think that that the issue in the United States, the real issue with selfishness, is that we're not being individual enough. By, by also focusing on individual responsibility and individual accountability and individual relationships with God. I think that family units, for example, are, are strongest when they're made up of people who have an individual relationship with Jesus, which when each person is taking individual responsibility in addition to their individual, you know, um, identities, their individual rights, their individual, you know. Well, that's, that's the strength of, uh, of Christianity right there. Right. It's, it's when you identify with Christ and when you say, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Jesus train. I'm going train. to be a slave of Christ. I'm going to be a slave to Christ. Yes. Then, then it teaches you, okay, now you need to treat other people Correct. better than you treat yourself. You need to treat other people the way you would treat, uh, the way you want them to treat you and you need to treat them the way you would treat God. Basically, There was a point in the middle ages, for example, there've been many points throughout history, but like in the middle ages, the dark ages specifically where the church, the Catholic church at the time was trying to get people to just see themselves as parts of the body of Christ, part of the team, part of the team, like just give up your identity and be part of, of what we tell you to do. Right. I see what you're saying. And, and And you're saying that, that basically, basically uh, recruiting a bunch of people to wear your T-shirt is not the goal. No, because of- they've already done that in India, and mm-hmm. you can see what how it stunted everyone. Right. What empowered the West was giving individual farmers and mechanics and blacksmiths and you know um, and lo- lesser lords and ladies access to the Bible directly. We can now read the Bible. We can read God's Word for ourselves individually. Now and you most can't do that with the Vedas. You can't do it with the Vedas. Most people aren't doing that. Most people aren't reading the scripture. That's anymore. because most people don't appreciate how awesome it is to be able to, <laughs> to read do stuff. Right. Yeah, most right. pe- most people take their ability to read for granted, or their their illiteracy as not that big a deal. Yeah, most people go, ah, I can't read. Some but people are even proud of it. They what think do I? it's kind of a cool thing. That they are dumb. I haven't read a book since high school. Right, I've heard that actually. I have too. I've heard people proudly proclaim. proclaim <laughs> That they have never read a book Which is in, since high school. It's terrifying because, again, I've been reading about how, how you know, Indian culture has been treating ignorance and how that's the highest form of enlightenment mm-hmm. for, you know, a week or two now. I've been reading about how that's gone for them. And I see that now the West has, is going to squander or it appears that they're going to squander everything that their, you know, ancestors I, have I given to them. I think your point is interesting, though, because if you were to ask the average person if... They are uh, individualists or collectivists. Or, or collectivists. They would, I'll bet 95% of people would identify as individualists. You think? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that the people in America, I don't think yeah. people in America say, oh no, we're part of a, we're part of a great culture, a melting pot. America's a melting no, pot. No, no. And we are all. <clears throat> no, that's not what I mean by collectivism. part of the American. No, no. People, most people, uh, I think, see individualism as synonymous with selfishness. Like they see it as always a bad thing to be focused on the individual and they want to be seen as somebody who cares about the 
collective. So the same the same people who use the word community all the time, or they mm-hmm. use the word um, team, like you said, playing on a team together, or thinking of others, or they, or, or they refer to the marginalized and the oppressed, yeah. yeah, and the poor, thinking of something bigger than yourself, like that. And and again, I'm not saying I disagree to that extent. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't good to be selfish, and it is good to think of others. Right. But I don't think they've realized just how important it is to take care of your own issues first. Like you can't go out and now you sound like Jordan Peterson. I know, isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure that this isn't just the result of the Jordan Peterson videos that you've internalized? I haven't watched you, those for a few weeks. Now you think that you're that you're coming to these conclusions on your no, own? No, honestly, it was it was this book by Vishal the. The Bible, Mangalwadi, Mangalwadi. How the how the Bible shaped your or the book that shaped the your book world. that shaped your world. Yeah, it um, is a good book because he kept referring to individualism as a good thing. Right in this book, and it didn't even occur to me every time he'd use the word, I would be thinking, I'd be, you know, how when you're reading, you think you know where the sentence is going. Yeah, and then you would be surprised at where he ended up every time. Yeah, he kept using it in a in a positive light. He kept describing how the West had this individualism, and in his. In his estimation, it was what made set it apart in a good way. Yeah, well, and I, I think didn't realize how much I had come to internalize that as a negative. That's because that's because yeah, I think you're right that that the the individual is considered either good or bad based on the group that we are now identifying this. That's what critical race theory has done. Mm-hmm. For example, individual rich people. Are bad. Are bad. Yeah. Individual rich people are all individually evil and responsible for corruption and oppression, um, regardless of regardless of who they are. Right. And so, yeah, there's a. I think we've just come. But I don't. I don't think that very many people have have thought about it the way you're thinking about it and have come to the. No, I didn't conclusion. even think about it in these terms until just a few days ago. Like, yeah. I just think that subconsciously the word individualism has come to mean selfishness. Right, right, just right, sub, right. Like, the subcontext of it has come to be... That's probably true, but at the same negative. time, you, there's there's an awful lot of people writing an awful lot of books about uh, not letting other people judge you or tell you right. my, I don't I'm strong I don't care what anybody else thinks I know I'm, I know I'm gonna march to but that's my... why I'm saying after after seeing what's been done in the east where the their focus on like extreme um extreme oneness or extreme um collectivism I guess right whatever the opposite of individualism is right. that's what they did in the trying East. to just completely free themselves from all cares all earthly cares like they don't want to feel a certain way they don't want to think anything they just want right. to even desires even even things like desires and hunger. ambition right hunger ambition, the need for it's, sleep it's, it's raw all of that is stuff that needs to be shed it's stuff that that holds you back because right. it causes suffering and so yeah all of that it's just bizarre but but when I was hearing that like compared and contrasted with individualism and realizing that, oh, individualism is actually a good thing. That's when I realized the people who are saying that they shouldn't be judged, they don't care, Mm -hmm. they're actually not doing individualism properly because if they were to, if they were to take their responsibility as an individual seriously, if they were to ask God what he wanted them to accomplish as individuals, and if they were to submit their individual will to his will, 
they wouldn't be saying and doing that stuff. So we actually need more individualism, not less. We just need to, we need to emphasize individual accountability. That's what I was about to say that you, you keep your important, uh, presupposition is personal responsibility and accountability. That's what we're missing. It's not that we need to stop thinking about ourselves so much. It's that you actually need to think about yourself as you really are. You need to think about yourself correctly. Including your own sinfulness and awfulness. Your narcissism. That's the word I've been throwing around lately with all the women on your page who don't like being told to cover their boobs up. (laughs) You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but Carl (laughs) hasn't been part of the conversation. Go ahead. You can share what you've been saying. Well, I wrote about the, uh, the idea of modesty. Yeah, uh, recently, and it's because I, I keep seeing these, I keep seeing all these stupid memes about how nobody can judge me, nobody can tell me, yeah, you know what's right or wrong. I, I'm going to live my truth, and I don't care what you think of it. And it's blah, only blah, blah. women who are getting away with posting these things. Well, but the, but then there's a there's a bunch of men who want to impress those women, right? And so they come in, <laughs> they and, think it's going to get them some attention. Yeah. They think the women, women are, are going to be moved by feminist men. Yep. Um, so they're like, you go girl. Cause they're idiots. You but, go ahead and stoke that narcissistic flame. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a chick just like you. I'm going to be a chick in a guy's body. How you like that? You shouldn't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. Right. Go on. With That's your right. Bad I self. agree with you. Thank you for agreeing with me though. I don't care what you think. Yep. Um, <laughs> But the, the meme had this girl, it was a cartoon, and she was wearing some kind of a skimpy top. A belly shirt. And yeah, and a guy standing next to her said, uh, dress, what, what was it? Wear, no, wear, wear decent clothes. Yeah, wear decent clothes. Wear decent clothes. And then underneath it, it was basically the same picture, but she was now pointing at him saying, have decent thoughts. And yes. She had her hand literally in his face. Right. <laughs> It's like have decent thoughts because I can and and we've seen this many many times that that women and church women yep have suggested that girls can wear whatever they want to church yep. and it's the boy's job to keep their thoughts pure yep and if a boy has unpure thoughts no matter what that girl is wearing I mean if she's wearing a mini skirt and and a sports bra to church right then. It's his fault for thinking impure thoughts about her. Right. And so I, I was, it's, it's ludicrous. And so I, I wrote about how if you stand in the backyard grilling steak and the smoke from your steak fills the neighborhood, it's a little bit like telling the neighbors that they're... Uh, that their mouths shouldn't be yeah, watering. Yeah, that they shouldn't be salivating, yeah. that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be hungry smelling that smoke because that's, that's gross. Just shame on them. Shame on you. And it's like, no, you don't get to, con- it, it's true that men are having lustful thoughts almost all the time. That's mm-hmm. true. But that's what the, that's what the rebuttal was that, that I keep getting from these women. It's like, well, you know what? It doesn't matter what a woman wears. A man is going to have, it's going to struggle with lust. And it's like, right. So why are you making it harder? Why do you? Why, why are you? Why do you somehow think that it's okay since he's already struggling to just go ahead and walk around naked in front right. of him? Right. I mean, it's just, it makes no sense at all. But that's the that's the sinful individualism that I think about when I'm right. thinking about. But it's not individualism, strictly speaking, or it's not individualism properly applied. 
because I actually think that they could do with more introspection, more personal responsibility. Because that's what they're expecting from the men. Correct. They're, they're being hypocrites when they say, you should control your thoughts. I don't have to control anything. I don't have to, I'm not responsible for doing anything with my behavior or the way I present myself. It's all on you to do the right thing. Right. And it's, it's such a blatant hypocrisy and double standard right. that if they would apply a, just a, a moment of individual introspection to themselves like they expect men to do, right. then they would go, oh gosh, I probably should cover up. So here's, so here's what somebody wrote to you. Somebody said, y'all crack me up running around shirtless. <laughs> She's referring to men running around shirtless. Some of you have more boob than me. And then you think women and their clothing choices are the problem. Everyone has an opinion the emperor's naked and so was Lady Godiva. So what? Does that hurt you? And here's what I said to her that she was not expecting. <laughs> I said, yes, being hurt. gaslit by self-centered narcissists does hurt. The choices you make affect other humans and you have the power to hurt. So could you kindly stop making the kind of choices that suggest the world revolves around only you? Maybe try being considerate and others focused instead of self-obsessed. Your hatred for men is hurting both you and society. That probably didn't bounce very high because you were commenting on a, that, that was not on my blog space. No, right. yeah, that was a liberal area of yep. the internet. But she said, oh dear, did I attack men or just the ones who have side boob? Uh, if you're hurt though, <laughs> you're definitely reactive. That's your problem. Your perception of me is just that. And this is the, this is the key right here. This is what, she literally wrote this, this statement. I will dress in what pleases me as that is who I dress. I don't care. Bless you, dear. Right. I don't care. And there it is. At least is. at least she got that right. And I said, nobody is surprised that you don't care. But I do care. I will dress according to what's right and with consideration for others. Because thinking only of pleasing myself is what narcissists do. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then she came back and she said something about being a 64-year-old lady. And no, hun, you don't know. I've adopted pets and I've done many yeah, rescue Yeah, I, so I read all that. I read all yeah. of the good, virtuous things that she's, she's done. She's such a good person. To justify her hateful. But, but uh, somebody else showed up a little while later me. and said, oh, so uh, how, did, how did they phrase it? Oh, she must have deleted it. Well, that's at least good. That shows some introspection, realizing that she looked dumb. She said something like, oh, so... You know, if you don't want to be sexually harassed. Oh, I saw that. If you don't want to be sexually harassed in public, then you can't you can't sexually harass people, people in, in private, private or, or something, something, something like know, something, something like that. that. And I said that's close. And I almost said the same thing. Uh, I almost said, yeah, you're 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 on the right track. You're on the right because, track. Because what I originally said on that post was uh, that people are. If, oh, if no. you ladies stop having impure thoughts whenever somebody sends you nudes, whenever right. a man whenever, sends whenever you a man nude. sends you an unsolicited nude picture of himself, get your mind out of the gutter. Right, get right. your mind out of the gutter. Just have don't think impure thoughts. Right, because he can he can show his body to he whoever can, he, he can wants. show you whatever picture he wants. Yeah, and and it's your job to control your thoughts. So I told this lady the argument is if you don't want to be sexually harassed in private. Stop sexually harassing literally everyone in, in public. public. Right. What's that? You don't think women are able to sexually harass the public? Yeah, I know. That's how deeply embedded your sexism is. You think men who expose themselves are bad, but women who expose themselves are empowered. And here's the thing. When I wrote about empowerment and I said, you know, 
Here we are actually a little bit further down. I told this other guy who was white knighting and sticking up for these women. He's like, they could do whatever they want. I said, when women tell you they don't care what anyone else thinks and they'll do whatever it takes to make themselves happy, you should believe them. Stop assuming women are less selfish and power driven than men because we're literally telling you we're trying to empower ourselves. Right. We've been saying that like, I don't care if this hurts you. I'm just doing what I want. We've been we've been admitting that like sending nudes and like molestation and and sexual crimes are not just about the sex. For years we've been saying this. Mm-hmm. We've said that it's about power and control and manipulation for years. It's not purely sexual. It's not just carnal. And so so why they can't then take that and apply it to women too and realize that it's not just sexual, it's about power. And they're even telling you, I want to do whatever I feel like doing to please myself to to be empowered as a woman. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so the literally the only difference between you and the guy who sends the nudes and private messages is that you're openly admitting it and being honest about what your motives are. Right. But it's still bad. It's well, it's but still they're sinful. they're openly admitting what their what their motives are when they're doing it. But they but they won't give men the same treatment. They won't say yes. He's just doing what he, what makes him feel good and what right. makes him happy. Right. And so therefore, he's not he's not committing a sin either. That, and that's the problem. The problem is that it's when, a double standard. When men do it, they're awful. But when women do it, yeah, it's it's. Good it's and good. beautiful, and men should applaud them for it. Right. right. Hence why I'm saying that we don't need less individualism. We need more consistency with it. We, we need more individual responsibility. More individual thoughtfulness. People, women, since this is a subject, women need to start taking ownership of their sinful, intentional, uh, intentionally causing men to have impure thoughts. Yeah. They need to own that. And yep. go, yes, I did this because I wanted men to look at me. I wanted them to have impure thoughts about me when they looked at me. And that's the reason I dressed like this. Right. Own or, it. and even if that's not it, it, it is a sense of power to not care. That either they wanted somebody to think impure thoughts or they wanted to just throw up a middle finger at everybody else and say, you know, you won't have any, you won't have any sway over my thoughts psyche like, yeah that's probably true too that's because there are there are some women who who dress who who are who are do not look good they in don't their look good right. and like they know it in the 90s like so the they, 90s they dye grunge. their hair weird colors and right. they don't shave their armpits and their legs and they just try to look they just try to be as trashy as like possible. the alanis morissette generation with the like the the uh puffy jeans and the combat boots and the black lipstick instead mm-hmm. of red like goth all of that was well it wasn't t- straight goth but it was grunge right and, it was just flying a finger at the at traditional standards of right. of what's decent and that's good and still beautiful. immodest because right. it's it's self-centeredness it's caring about nobody else except yourself well, it's care it's not caring at all about the collective uh idea that this is what women are supposed to look like this is what's appropriate for women to look like and it, and it's saying it's saying we no we we do not care what the standard that's higher than ourselves is we will not up, we will not comply with those standards we will set our own standards and then right. we will expect the rest of you to then to then adhere to our standards and tell us that we are good and right for the standards that we taking charge yeah we, we're we're basically setting the standards and you will now ab- abide by our standards right and so 
it's, yeah, it it doesn't work no matter who's doing it. It's ugly. It's just ugliness. But, um, but yeah, like I also brought up briefly during this conversation, I brought up the breastfeeding milk mafia again. And I don't like hairy legs even on men, so I'm not being sexist. (laughs) It's the same concept though. I don't necessarily think that there are women out there who are, I'm sure there are, but I don't think most women out there are breastfeeding publicly for sexual reasons. I no. don't think that they're trying to get attention in that vein. But I do think that when you put your toddler in your grocery cart and he's two or three years old <laughs> and you don't even stop pushing the grocery cart, but you've got your boob out the whole time that you're right. pushing the cart and he's just sucking away, like that is somebody who's who's basically flying the bird. You're being disrespectful. Flying like, the bird. Maybe you're not... Maybe you're not trying to, maybe you're not having the same exact motivation as like a prostitute on the street corner trying to earn business. It's not that motivation. Right. It's it, not like you're trying to solicit, you know, business for yourself. But you're exerting you, power. But you, yes, you are pl- making a power move. You are, you are putting yourself in front of other people. You are elevating your needs, desires, urges, ambitions, whatever. Yeah, cares. A, a cares above the people around you. Yeah. And you care more it. about you than you do about them. Yeah, and admitting it. And, and thank God for the ability to think through these things. Thank God for a standard in written form that we can consult and find out when we've gone astray. The Bible, uh, according to uh, this book that I'm reading now, has been the has been the source of our ability to correct and self-correct over and over again throughout history. When we go astray, we know that we have gone astray because it's right there in the Bible. Um, and so this, I think, yep. would be one of those areas where our culture, maybe there was a time in history where men were mostly the ones responsible for grabbing bodies of women that, you know, they had no business grabbing and that the Bible needed to tell them to knock it off and to think more pure thoughts. Right now, at this moment in United States history, um, it's the women who are basically doing whatever they feel like doing all the time with no accountability and nobody's allowed to tell them. They're saying that. When they're wrong. They, right. they, they, uh, half a dozen of them literally said that. Right. I'll do what I want. Right. That was what I was going to say. When I wrote and said that we don't care what anyone else thinks, we'll do whatever we want to make ourselves happy, and we're even telling you that we're here to just empower ourselves, I'm pretty sure most of the people who liked and loved that comment didn't realize that I was giving that criticism as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they thought I was just declaring it, and they were like, yeah, right. that's Because they're right. not introspective. <laughs> like, because they're not thoughtful. They, that's right. We don't care. Yeah. That's right. You go. We don't care. We're just going to... Uh, We're just going to feed our babies and wear our short shorts. And holy cow, that Sorry, was that was really loud. Sorry, Carl. I guess, our, I guess our podcast is over. Well, Emery's standing over my shoulder saying, Mommy, Mommy. <laughs> so I guess. All right. Well, uh, put some clothes on, Carl. <laughs> For crying out loud. <laughs>